Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another episode of the Boca Podcast with a new or relatively new topic and certainly a new guest, Vicki Black. Vicki, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm grateful to be here. And we were actually, um, in full disclosure and kind of breaking the fourth wall here, we, we were actually chatting just before we hit the record button. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited, actually, about what we're going to be talking about today. You have a lot to offer in regards to this idea of staying in your lane. I don't think there are enough photographers that are really, truly doing that, focusing in on a niche within their market. And so we're going to get into a very heavy topic here in just a few minutes. But we normally start off, and actually a good segue to what we normally start off with here at the podcast, brand position, the unique value proposition that our photography business brings to the market. Now, you actually have your own photography brand, but you also started Senior Style Guide. Let's actually run with your photography business here. What's the brand position of your photography brand? My statement is for the fashionable team. However, my focus is my ideal client, which is someone who is the top 10% of their class, typically their community service oriented. I knew what I was looking for. And as a result, each year I tend to get the same client. So Hmm. that's, and, and the reason I say community service focused and oriented is because in the past I've done things such as a charity themed fashion show, and I offer various opportunities for my clients to give back to their communities. Huh? That's really interesting. Okay. But, but I have to get back though, to the very simple statement that you started with, which is for the stylish teen. So for everybody listening in, um, we're, we're focusing here on Vicky's photography business to begin with. We'll talk about senior style guide as well, but uh, if you just go to vickiesblack.com, so V-I-C-I-K-I-E-S-B-L-A-C-K.com, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. Um, but Vicky, I, I have a lot of respect already for you and that you you sum up your brand position very simply. And not only that, you put it out there where anyone coming to your site can find it. So the moment that you pull up the homepage right there on top, for the stylish teen. And then you have imagery to back that up, which is really, really great. And this is something that we kind of harp on a lot at the podcast, the significance of not only having a, a niche or a focus, ultimately having a distinct brand position, but communicating it concisely, clearly, and succinctly. And you do all of the above. This is really lovely. Thank you. It's I liken it to if you hear somebody online or you get an idea of somebody online in a group, like just how they type or how they present themselves, and then you go meet them and it's like a bait and switch. I don't want that for my clients. Hmm. So I'm very careful to make sure that they know what they're getting. They know what the look is going to be so that if they do choose me, if they are drawn to me, that that's what they're going to look like. And that's, I mean, their images are going to have the same styling, the same editing, the same look and feel. 
And, and this work is, I have to say, beautiful too. Thank you. Not only that, as I mentioned earlier, it actually reflects what you're saying you're going to offer them. It has a very stylish feel to it that reminds me almost like um, something like American Eagle. It's got kind of yes. a kind of a, a trendy feel to it, but not overly trendy. Certainly not overly processed as a general rule. It's a very just clean um, and stylish feel to it. But I have to ask you about something because this is something that I've noticed and it's honestly bothered me quite a bit about the senior market in particular. I'm by the way not seeing it in your work. This is why I'm asking you. There seems to be a uh, just to put it bluntly, a sexualization of seniors yes. and a lot of the photography these days. And I don't understand why more people aren't pointing it out or having a problem with that. I'd love to hear your thoughts. As a parent and as the mother of both a son and a daughter, I tend to shy away from that look as fast as I can get away from it. Because when I have a consult with my client, we discuss wardrobe and some of my do's and don'ts are, you know, what is appropriate to wear and how to know if it's appropriate. Yeah. Can you bend over? Can you squat down? And, and it's so funny that you said American Eagle because you, you nailed it. When I'm speaking with the mom during this process, I, I look at the teen and I say, okay, it's going to be American Eagle, not Abercrombie-ish. Ah, uh, okay. I'm, I'm very conservative in the look, but I want to capture you how you want to be seen to the best of my brand ability. Well, I think it's a beautiful combo of... of- having an edge and certainly stylish, I mean, beyond stylish, but again, not adding that sexual element, which to me is just confusing of all of the conversations we're having in our culture these days about, well, the list goes on, of course, but particularly around the conversation of sexuality. I'm just amazed that this isn't highlighted more often, but there's a beautiful example actually on the homepage of your site. Uh, it's a group of teens on a beach, a couple of girls in swimwear, and, and it's a great example of being beautifully done, stylish, processed beautifully, but again, not sexualized in a way that I'm seeing happen. It just seems like too much in the senior world. And, and so I, I w- wanted to get your take on this because you've done a beautiful job of balancing having a stylish look, a very modern look, but not going in that direction. And, and I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And I, I just, you know, having a daughter, she's watching yeah. what's going on. 100%. And... We model for this generation. We model their behavior. They are watching us, whether we realize it or not. I am not going to put a girl in a white dress in in the water, in, in a waterfall, and have her just be drenched. I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. Yeah. Um, sometimes I worry, like with that swimsuit session, I actually fretted before posting it online. I loved it. I thought that it reflected that generation at that moment in time, but I was nervous because the teens were in swimsuits. But one of the things that the moms and I discussed when we did that session was, you know, they have to be high-waisted bottoms and it just, it, it, it smiles, not sultry. I mean, you can take an outfit that could potentially be deemed as risque mm-hmm. or sexualizing yep. or making them look five, 10 years older. If you do something as simple as bringing a beautiful smile, you've toned that image down significantly. That's a great point. And with, especially working with tweens and teens, um, you can take your look to a whole new level simply by having them smile. And preserving that level of innocence. When I meet with the clients before the shoot, 
and we do our consultation, I explain that I shoot for three people, mom, grandma, the teen or the tween. Hmm. Everyone's going to get to represent themselves. Yes, they are going to want to have serious face and all of this, but I'm also going to make them smile. I'm going to make them just shine yeah. because I, I have to make all three of those people happy at any given point in time throughout the session. That's fair. But you know, that, that same picture that we were discussing, there is an individual, one of the girls who is smiling, which is great. There are also some serious expressions kind of mixed in, but again, they're Mm -hmm. not, you don't have the duck lips thing going on, right? It's, it's not, (laughs) you're not trying to force the sexualization onto an image. And um, I I, I don't want to like harp on this topic for, for too long, but I, I just think it was, it's something that needs to be discussed a, and I wanted to get your take on it because you seem to have been able to create really beautiful, certainly relevant and modern imagery without adding that element to it. And uh, so I really appreciate your perspective. And like you said, if all else fails, just have them smile for goodness sakes. Yes. A smile will take that outfit that could, that could be making them look 10 years older to right back to their looking 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. A smile, you light up the eyes, any kind of expression is going to draw them into their face, not their outfit. Hmm. Well, that's good. That's good. Well, I think that's maybe a good starting point for a conversation. Maybe we can come back to it at a different point or, or have others on to talk about it. I think that's, I think we need to shed a little bit of light on that topic though, for sure. And I appreciate your perspective. Talk to me about your experience as a business owner. First of all, how long have you been in business for yourself? 2009, January of 2009. Awesome. I, I've been self-employed for 25 years in various capacities, but as a photographer, 2009. Okay. So almost 10 years. And, and I'd be curious then based on that experience, what would be the first piece of advice you'd want to share with an up and coming photographer if you had 15, 20 seconds to do so? If you're new to the market, the very first thing I would tell you to do is price accordingly value yourself because the clients you're gathering right now at your price point, you will be changing the minute you raise your prices. Hmm. So save yourself the extra work and the time and the energy and do it right. Yeah. That's first of all, I like the, the, the conciseness, if you will, of that advice. It's interesting that you say price yourself accordingly, because a lot of people, when they first start, they feel like they're pricing themselves accordingly by starting low. But you make a great point, which is you automatically price yourself out of potential referrals when you immediately raise your price if you start really low. And so that's an interesting point of conversation. How, how would you respond to someone who says, well, but you are new, so you should start low? You're new, but you're still you. Your time is still worth something. You're taking time away from your family. You're taking time away from yourself. You still need to be compensated. So many people just look at the cost of goods. So there's also the cost of time mm. and there's the value of it. Yeah. And the, in my experience, the more inexpensive you are, the crazier it gets. You're overwhelmed. You will lose sight. You will burn out. Yes. Spend the time that you have maybe not booking as many clients, investing in education Hmm. and valuing yourself. And so many people don't want to invest in education, which is my big soapbox, but we expect our clients to invest in us. So why wouldn't we invest in them? 
Huh, that's a great way to put it. And actually, I, I want to give you this opportunity. I know the push conference is coming up soon. So by the time <laughs> this episode airs, it'll be too late. But for the sake of next year, will you just briefly share that educational effort with regards to push conference and what it represents? Sure. And I mean, anything educational wise, it could be it being in a group, it could be a mentorship, it could be a one on one, it, it's whatever is that first step to invest in your business. But push conference is this crazy conference that I have that I started five years ago, where we bring in the top senior photographers in the industry. And we bring in fashion photographers, uh, video, everything that is relevant for the coming year will be represented at push, whether it be editorial, video, fashion, studio, marketing, social media. It is this intensive, immersive educational event that is three nights, four days where you literally don't sleep. It's 8 a.m. to 2 a.m. We don't go bye-bye at 6 p.m. and you're off on your own sightseeing. You are there for one purpose, and that is to learn. It is not the Dress to Impress conference, and it is not the party conference. We are about education Hmm. and community. And you are, I, I call it, I liken it to a trauma bond. We are trauma bonded together (laughs) in this immersive bubble and speakers are hanging with you. They're having dinner with you. There is no division. I was never the cool kid. I don't believe in clicks. We are all in this together Hmm. and there is no hierarchy of you and them. I don't care if you just bought your camera and you opened up the box, you still have something valuable to contribute. Hmm. Everybody has something to share. And that's what push is about. And, and we're going to link to the conference in the show notes to at least can get information when the next conference, next year's conference is announced and some of the in-between events as well. It, you mentioned to me earlier, Vicki, too, that, that you limit it to 50 at these conferences, which I think is just a, a beautiful thing because it does encourage the very thing that you're talking about, the actual connection with other photographers and sharing. So we'll link to that also in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, take advantage of the show notes because we put resources, talking points from the episodes there Go take advantage of that for sure. Talk to me about time. You mentioned time earlier, Vicki, and I'd be curious too, especially being the parent of two kids, how do you create space for yourself, a little bit of time for yourself during the week for them, even for yourself, so you don't constantly find yourself behind the computer all the time? I I was behind the computer all the time in the beginning, but now I've learned to step away and value what's important. I set rigid schedules for my business. There are only certain days the week I will shoot a client and there are only certain days of the week I will meet with a client. Now Hmm. I am the backwards photographer. Most people want their weekend off, but for some reason, Sunday for me is my favorite day to photograph because my hair and makeup girl is always available. The house is quiet. My kids are off doing something and I I'm just, I'm rejuvenated. It's the beginning of the week for me. Wow. Okay. So and then Wednesdays are like my my day that I don't really want to be out with my camera. And it's the day I'm in my office anyways, tackling things historically. So that's my day for ordering sessions. Okay, It's just about learning your patterns. And when someone says, oh, you shouldn't work weekends. Oh, you shouldn't work Tuesdays. You shouldn't work Fridays. It's not about that. There's more than one way to do something. Yes. And the right way is the best way for you. And that's um, really, there's nothing more to add to that. I I think the only thing I would say is 
the, the, the underlying purpose that drives whatever the schedule is, which is going to be subjective, would be to create the free time. So whether that's Sunday or Friday or Tuesday or whatever it is, there is more to life than working. Creating space yes. for that's important, but how that actually is implemented, it, it is subjective. And I, I, you know, honestly, you're the first person in almost 300 guests now that has said, I want to work on Sunday. That works for me. But I, I like that about <laughs> you. I like that you figured out what worked. And that's how you've that's how you've created your schedule. And I think this is a great example for all of our listeners. Talk to me about education, more specifically, maybe books, self-help books, business books, maybe podcasts. What has been one of the most inspirational source of information or education for you personally? Okay. Personally, I'm gonna go off the, the train tracks here. Go for it. I attended the kitchen sink workshop in 2013. Okay. Amanda Holloway has this workshop that literally is the kitchen sink. I went to it and I I still haven't implemented everything that she has set forth, but the things that I, the two, three things I implemented from the two days there, I immediately made more money on the first client walking out of that workshop. It opened my eyes to so many things that I was doing wrong. I had the pieces out there up in the air for the puzzle, but I couldn't make them click. They weren't clicking in the right order. And that is what helped me. But I mean, that's my story. I know that she's helped countless, I mean, numerous hundreds of people, but that's what did it for me. Being there hands-on, I'm visual. Okay. And And one tip I will give you that she is notorious for, and it changed my life. Portrait and senior photographers tend to overshoot. Mm. And (laughs) she has a rule. Every day you're there at at the end of the day of the education portion, you're going out and you're photographing. You're photographing three, three and a half hours. She will walk around. And if your camera has more than a hundred frames, She, she tells you she'll reformat your card. Interesting. So it's forcing you to actually think about what you're shooting and, and shoot less. And is, is that just for the sake of getting better imagery in the end? Is it to minimize the amount of post-production after the fact, combination of the above? It's that and so much more. Okay. It forces you to see the shot. It forces you to prepare the shot. Hmm. It forces you to be a better business person for your client because before I went to that workshop, I was delivering a hundred images to my senior clients after I was delivering 32 to 42 max, because that's enough for wall art album, graduation announcements, prints, and a digital collection. You're not overwhelming the client. They are not paralyzed to the point that they can't make a decision. And then they throw your flash drive in a drawer. Right. And it, it changed the game. And that's interesting to consider. You know, I, a lot of people would talk probably about how digital culture encourages people to minimize the significance of the imagery. Um, and, and that is in some ways even still relevant to this conversation. But the idea that the number of images we're delivering could actually cause somebody to be so overwhelmed that they just kind of give up altogether on the images is, is a really interesting point of conversation. Think about it. You got a hundred images. What are you going to post online? You're not going to put all hundred. Yeah. But then in hindsight, you may not put as many because you're overwhelmed. 
Yeah. I was a wedding photographer for almost a, well, actually a little <laughs> over a decade. And you see that in the wedding industry a lot where a client's getting a thousand images, 1200 images, 1500 images, just ridiculous numbers that they probably have not even taken the time to actually go all the way through. Why not deliver less and better? And it makes everyone's life easier. Less is more. And I find myself, sometimes I will be on a shoot and I'll start to unravel at the end and spray and pray. Yeah. I, I can hear Amanda Holloway chirping in my <laughs> ear. You are over a hundred frames. What are you doing? Yeah. And that's her. She delivers it to you as you need to receive it. Hmm. And six years later, I still hear her. And you know what, when I'm doing that and when I'm in that moment in time, I am out of control of the shoot at that point. I'm not being careful. I am not checking everything. And I know it. And I have to rein myself back in. And and a lot of that then is planning ahead, actually thinking ahead of time, like you were saying, preparing for the shoot as opposed to just going in there and just holding that shutter button down. That's that's yeah. a really yeah. interesting point. We'll make sure to link to Amanda's Instagram and resources too in the show notes for this episode in case anybody is curious. I recommend it. Um, she's a personal friend of mine now and she she changed how I do business. That's wonderful. Talk to us about your photography and more specifically your gear. I'm curious what the most unusual piece of equipment is in your camera bag. Doesn't have to be a camera, <laughs> lens, a flash, be literally anything that makes you a better photographer. Sometimes I will be in a low light situation okay. and this is the craziest thing. I have literally whipped this out on destination events for senior style guide magazine. Like we'll be in New York city in times square at midnight and all the ice lights are, you know, being used as someone's like, I need light over here. I will whip out this little rectangular light that you get at Home Depot for $9 and you can like adjust how much light's being delivered. Really? It, it, it's, it's the most backwards thing that you would expect to find in someone's camera bag, but there it is. It's in my camera bag. And you said it's something you just got from Home Depot? Home Depot, $9.99 years ago. I mean, even the handles broke off of it. Now it gets just whipped out of the bag huh. when needed. And you know, like I'll be in a locker room sometimes and maybe I don't want, I want it to be moody and I don't want to take my studio lights in there. I have, you know, or they didn't tell me that we're going to a locker room. They added at the last minute because we all know our clients are notorious for, Oh yeah. Can we just do this one thing real quick? And so there it is. I whip that out. It pops the eyes and it's just enough light huh, to, to do what I need to do. And it, 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 I'm sure, you know, photographers who've been doing it 15, 20 years are over there cringing right now. She whips out a Home Depot light when in the pinch. (laughs) Who is this person? How did he find her? (laughs) No, but, but simple practical tools. I mean, it's all about getting the job done. However you can get that done. You MacGyver it. That's what you do. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, no, certainly no knock on, on any products that might be in the industry out there. But if you can go to Home Depot, I actually just pulled up Home Depot's site and you know they've got some, <laughs> they've got some solutions in there for $20, $30 for lighting. And why not take advantage if it works? Yeah. I just, I don't even know how it got in there. I think my partner at the time had put it in my bag and, and I just grabbed it one time and it saved my world. And so now it stays in there. I mean, I don't even have the battery back on it. There's like, I think a piece of duct tape holding the batteries in. Huh, nice. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. I'll have to send you a photo. That, honestly, that'd be great. We'll throw that in the show notes too, in case anybody is curious and, and uh, we'll link okay. to maybe a, 
an option or two there on the Home Depot site as well. We're all about the resources. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> we were talking earlier about the significance of staying in our lane. And um, yes. I, you know, I, I know that you specialize in teen and senior portrait photography. And not only that, you've created a community and, of course, ultimately a conference at Senior Style Guide. Um, that is about senior photography. But I'm curious, as we talk, begin this conversation about specialization, how long did it take you to, to land on that specialty? Was it something that you did immediately or did you kind of gradually work into it? Oh, I wish I had done it immediately. It would save me a lot of time and heartache and branding and all the other nightmares associated. I literally photographed everything you could possibly not want to photograph before finding out, I mean, for me, that I would not want to photograph before <laughs> okay. realizing that that's not me. And I stumbled across the senior market because a friend had a client in the dentist's office who needed a senior photographer and she gave him my number. And I was like, why did you do that? What are you thinking? I don't even, I've never photographed a senior before. And she was, well, I like what I see on Facebook. So give it a try. I fell in love and I look back at that session, there's so many things wrong with that session, but it, it led me to where I am today. They were happy. I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread when I put it out, but it got me where I needed to be. And I remember at the time I had a business partner and I said at dinner, no more weddings, no more babies, no more anything. I'm only photographing seniors. And they thought I had like lost it. They thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> and I even said, and by the way, I'm starting a blog and it's going to be called senior style guide. And I'm going to highlight senior photographers huh. and no one was doing it. Yeah. Uh, senior style guide is eight years old on July 31st. Wow. I mean, I literally had to go to Google and like type in Nevada senior photographer and email people and say, Hey, you know, can we, can I feature your session? And people thought I was crazy. Some people took me up on it. And it was, it was a lot of working really hard in a grassroots type environment for a good year to get people to realize it was okay to be featured. So yeah, my, my first foyer into a dog bakery photographing dogs just so I could take photos taught me. I am not a pet photographer. <laughs> there, there's some amazing, talented people who I'm always like, wow, I want my dogs to look like that. But, you know, I could never do that. I, I did everything. I photographed everything. So, you know, somebody would say, well, this is, this is great for Vicky. She photographs seniors. She enjoys that. But how do I go about finding that thing? And I think part of the obvious answer is shoot everything and figure out yes. what you like or don't like. But then what, what would you say for somebody who's like, well, but if I only shoot one thing, um, how am I going to miss out on potential revenue for my business, how would you respond to them? If you only specialize in one thing, think about subsets that can be feeders back into your business. For instance, you photograph a senior, they come into their ordering session, you give them a gift certificate for their session fee for family photos. Mom is going to want that because her child is leaving. They need updated photos. You can market, you know, Yes, you gave them a session fee. It doesn't have to be a crazy session fee. It can be a 15, 20 minute session, but you're still going to make a sale, get residual income from it. Maybe in, in my case, I like to be where my target market is. So I photograph high school proms. I don't photograph it like my prom, 
but I am the prom photographer for a couple of schools. I'm there on their prom night. I'm taking their photos. I'm chit-chatting. I am speaking with them. There's, I'm still photographing my clients, my target, and then mark it back to them. Give them a cool postcard with a discount back when you deliver their images. There's so many ways. You could be the school sports photographer. You could do something creative with the cheer team. You could do a fundraiser with them. You can market within your desired genre in more ways than one to make it work. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I noticed that I, I think on your Instagram page, it says teen and senior portrait photographer. So you're naturally setting yourself up to eventually photograph the senior portraits. But like you said, you're yes. staying within that market, still working within that market. And there are ways to create various streams of revenue within that market. Um, I'm asking this kind of out of order, though. You, you, you did talk about the significance of shooting a wide variety of things to figure out what you liked. But the other question I, that came to mind, though, and, and maybe speaking for some of our listeners, how did you when, you, when you talked about just knowing this is the thing that you love, when you first had the opportunity to photograph a teenager or a senior, what, what did that feel like? What did that look like? Because I know some photographers are going to be like, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of different things. How do I know this is the one thing that I should focus on? What, what did that feel like for you? Like falling in love. Like when you fall in love, you know, you're like consumed. You're like, okay, how do I get more of this? So my thing was with that clientele, how do I get more of those kids in front of my lens? What do I need to do? I need more of this. And, and, I, and I like the simplicity of that. There's, it's not really a, a secret of any sort. Just do it all, figure out the thing that you enjoy the most and focus on that. Mm-hmm. And don't spend as much time as I did doing it all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It is funny how we tend to, I mean, I say we, and really I'm the one that's guilty of this, but like tend to overcomplicate things in our heads as opposed to just making a choice. In fact, I was just having a conversation. Um, I have two kids as well, also a boy and a girl, Austin's 17, Addison's 14. Austin's getting ready to go into his senior year, and then he's planning on studying music after. And we were talking about his future career as a musician and, and making decisions about which direction to go. And one of the things I was encouraging him to do is go ahead and make a decision. You make a decision with what you know right now, as opposed to letting kind of this idea of the perfect choice paralyze you. Make a decision now and then course correct as you need to. Would, would you agree? Most definitely. The decision you make is the decision for the person you are right now. As you grow and evolve, that decision can change. And, and the problem with society is sometimes we're afraid to admit we need to make a change. And so then we're stuck doing something that's soul crushing. Mm. Um, My son is leaving for college. He's going to DePaul university in the fall. And I I just set him down and I said, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out. Mom got out of school with two degrees and is not using either one of them actively. (laughs) You have to do the semester that's in front of you. That's all. Mm. And then you figure it out as you go along. Yeah. Am I grateful I finished? Of course, those degrees, I don't actively use them, but they still feed back into my business. So I never dreamed I was going to be a photographer. I mean, I graduated college, went into my field for six months and ended up being a record store owner for 13 years. Where did that come from? That was out of left field, you know? Yeah. So you just have to be able to be open and listen when life presents experiences and opportunities. 
and go with what makes sense then and, and then be open to the possibility that you, you may course correct later on, but that's okay as well. And, and I think I think that's going to be an encouraging idea concept for our listeners, especially when it comes to this idea of deciding on a specialty. Uh, the other thing that I tend to point out here on the podcast is look for an opportunity, look for a hole in the market too. And, yes. and within those opportunities, pick the thing that you enjoy the most, because that will then make it easier for you to create a distinct brand position to to more easily market that unique service that you have. And um, that's also something to consider here. But it, maybe this is kind of uh, obvious at this point in our conversation, but I'm curious if you'd at least outline for our listeners, what is the significance of picking a lane and staying in that as opposed <laughs> to having your hands in you know 50 different things? Well, it, it, in my experience, picking your lane and staying in it takes on two forms. One, you need to focus on what makes you happy. And yes, you could be a wedding photographer and a family photographer and be thrilled and sustain your business. Or you could be a family and a baby and a kid photographer. It doesn't, it, I'm not here to tell you what you need to do. You need to do what's best for you and your business. But when you figure it out, stay in your lane. It'll help you focus. One other thing that as photographers staying in our lane sometimes gets ignored is the fact that we get on Instagram and we scroll and we see people around us, our perceived competitors, and we see things that they're doing and it's all white noise. But I know a lot of creatives, myself included, I'm guilty as charged, but I'm getting better and better every year. I reflect on it more and I just stay away we'll see something and think, oh my gosh, my business is over. They're doing it so much better. No one's going to come to me. But five minutes before you were just rocking your business. And if you're focusing on that and putting all your energy, looking at everybody else in that way, I mean, it's okay to look at everybody else for inspiration and to admire their work and to help maybe get you inspired to the point that maybe you want to take a class and learn how to edit a little differently or something, but, or shoot differently or try fashion photography. But if you're focusing all your time and energy, looking at what they're doing, you're not doing anything and they're still doing themselves. They are in a Lamborghini speeding off and you're chasing in flip-flops at the end of the day. Ooh, I like that. You have got to focus on you and your business and your unique qualities. Well, and, and I'll add the, a little caveat here and, and would certainly be open to your take on this. You know, there's, there's, you hear this kind of advice in various contexts in our industry or even outside our industry. You do you. The reality, of course, as business owners is that we still have to be, quote, doing us in a realistic market opportunity, right? So we, we need yes. to actually look at the market. We need to see where there's opportunity. We need to see what the market actually wants and be bringing something of value to the market. So we have to look at the kind of the, the logical side, the actual data, the reality of the situation. But then within that context, you do you. And because, of course, the reality is we haven't had a, a really incredible brand come along and stand out and do really well by doing the same thing that everybody else was already doing. Right. Because it's already out there. Why bother? I mean, it's the same. 
We are not followers, people. We need to be leaders. Well, and this is a little bit simplistic, but I would say instead of going, if you're going to go to Instagram and social, any kind of social media or industry news, it's great for the sake of awareness. And like you were saying earlier, inspiration. But if you're looking and comparing, compare for the sake of figuring out how you can do the opposite thing, go the other direction to actually create something unique versus stressing yourself out by trying to copy that person. Exactly. Hmm, that's really, really good. We still need to be cognizant. I don't want to be t- so flippant and simplistic sure. about it. We need to be cognizant about what is out there and what's going on around us. Yes. But we still need to remember it's so much easier to be ourselves. If we're trying to be some version of who we think people expect us to be, that's exhausting. That's way more work because then you're constantly trying to figure it out. And what if, what if social media goes boom and it just goes away? Like, what if it just goes down for three months, say, and you are not doing you, but you no longer have the roadmap to be some carbon copy of somebody else? What are you going to do? Wow. I I will leave that hanging because that's a wonderful, wonderful question. And let me jump to the next question then. Okay, sorry. (laughs) No, no, no. This has been a really great conversation. Let me, let's make this even more practical I want our listeners to be able to literally take information from this conversation and go do something about it. And especially for those who maybe don't have a particularly narrow focus right now in their business, not a huge deal. Again, you can course correct, but what specific steps should photographers or listeners to this episode take to narrow down the focus of their service that they're offering in their market? What, what things should they be considering in order to make that move? I think the very first thing that they need to consider is how is their business structured? Okay. Is their business ready to take on clients? Are they legal? Are they doing the proper steps? Once you have the foundation built, then go out like we have discussed and photograph everything, figure out what you want. And then when you realize what you want to do, do something creative with it, go out and just do something that's going to set your soul on fire with it and see, do you still feel the same way? I reevaluate things every six months with my business. Sit back, look at what you've done, run the numbers, make sure you're making money and go forth. Just do it. Don't sit there because you're going to have more regret not moving forward and doing something in your business than the regret of the perceived social media 15 minute shame of you failed. Who cares? Move forward. Do it. Yeah, just get out and do it's. And again, I'm guilty of this, so I can speak from experience. But there, it's it's so easy in our culture and certainly first world society that we have the time and the space to sit around and and think and analyze and overanalyze and overprocess and not actually then in the end do anything about it. And you're right. At the end of the day, we have to do. And there again, because of the luxury of living in the culture that we do, we have the ability to be able to then course correct as we need to. But this is good. Very simple, very practical advice. Number one, certainly make sure that your business structure is in place as it should be on a legal level. Be very clear about what you're actually trying to accomplish what you're with your business, because that will ha- help you establish a, a business model even. But then when it comes to deciding what that target client is, shoot everything to the point where you then know what you don't like in order to decide what you do like and and then look at the actual numbers. And and I love that you're evaluating your business every six months. You know, the tendency is at the most to maybe do it once a year, but 
doing that every six months and looking at the actual data. We've talked countless times about the significance of having accounting software, for example. And there are various reasons for this, not to mention you know taxes and making sure that you're, you're actually making more money than you're spending. But at the end of the day, <laughs> looking at whether or not this particular service that you're offering to this particular market, if it's actually a viable business or not, you can look at your numbers and make that determination. When you talk about this every six months, is there kind of a workflow that you have in place for that evaluation process? Yes. I look at the numbers. I look at what I've created and I go back and I talk to my model crew and their moms. And I talk about what the, where the market's going. Oh, feedback. Yeah. Yes. Focus groups are huge. You need to be talking. You need to be talking to your clients. And if I know you only asked for three, but can I add a fourth? Because this is the big one. Oh, it's please. the unpopular one. And it's going to make people cringe at the thought of it, but it's something I had to do in my business in the very, very beginning when I decided to do just senior clients. Cause I said, I, I didn't know how to get those clients check pride and ego at the door. Mm. I had to go to a mom who was connected and I said, look, I'm going to start a model crew. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I have these five schools, four schools. I don't have anybody. I know you know a lot of people. Can you help me? Hmm. I had to first pick up the phone and admit to that person, I have no business. I'm changing focus. People do not want to admit things like that. It's painful. That mom, at the end of the day, had me six kids who then had me seven more. Wow. So I had a model crew of 13 that year yeah. to start. And I had six schools represented because I checked pride and ego at the door and I picked up the phone. It is okay. If you don't know how to do something, pick up the phone and ask somebody. You'll be doing yourself and your business a favor. Looking like we're perfect on social media, I, I tend to be vulnerable. I get a lot of messages every once in a while. I'll post something, you know, vulnerable on my blog or on Facebook. And, you know, like one time I showed up to a session, I don't know where my head was. I, I did a blog post about it on Senior Style Guide to get the conversation going. Um, and it, it really got the conversation going. I put my reflector in the back of the car. I got distracted. I drove an hour, got there half hour or so early. I was going to get my camera out just to kind of scout the location. My camera wasn't there. There was no camera. Oh no. The client was in route. I had to call a photographer in that town and say, Hey, I really just screwed this up. This is what I did. Can I borrow your camera in a cup in a card? And they're like, yeah, come on over. I drove to their house, got back, met my client just in time. Mm. They saved me. But I, that's a competitor. I had to go to a competitor yeah. and say, hey, this is what's going on. Set ego aside. Yeah, ask for help. I mean, that's that's something that it almost seems obvious in some ways, but it is easy to get stuck in our head again and and not make that effort, which could translate to so, so much. And it's amazing to what a connection, a relationship with one person can do. I mean, I, my former business partner was a, a lifestyle family photographer and created a really cool brand here in the Chattanooga area. And, and it all started with literally one connection or referral from somebody that we worked with in the wedding industry to one family. 
And it just kind of exploded from there. But you got to start with that one person and being willing to set our ego aside and ask for help uh, is a great piece of advice. This has been a really great practical conversation. I love your passion about the topic too. (laughs) Will you share just briefly with our listeners as we close here about the Senior Style Guide and that brand, everything that, that you're doing there at the Senior Style Guide? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Senior Style Guide is an industry magazine. We were the first senior industry magazine. I believe we're the only senior educational industry magazine on the market still to this day. It's going to be eight years old, July 31st. Congrats. We feature photographers. Thank you. I can't believe my baby is growing up. Oh my gosh. We, uh, my crazy idea where I leaped and everybody thought I was wackadoodle, but you know, oh well. So we have the blog where we feature photographers. We have Instagram at Senior Style Guide where we feature work daily. You just have to hashtag Senior Style Guide. Go check us out. We have a YouTube channel that and a podcast as well created by photographer Sean Brown who yeah. does all of our YouTube and our podcast content where he just sits down and, and has real talk with the industry leaders. And it's, it's refreshing. And we have a destination event where it's basically photo tourism at its best. We, I partner with photographer Brooke Daniels out of Virginia and her and I jet off somewhere one to two times a year. And we just got back from Aruba and did an amazing destination shoot there and took everybody out to the desert. In August, we went to Montana and the previous August we went to Iceland with 22 photographers, we rented a 49-passenger bus and threw the videography crew in, the hair and makeup crew, the models and wow. the photographers. And we just it's just a fun time. And, and we have Midwest or regional events. Our first one is our Midwest, and it's coming up on August uh, 25th. So I'm going to be traveling a lot this year to come see everybody and, and just get out and meet more and more people. Expect to see me popping up in your community soon. Perfect. And, and we'll link to Senior Style Guide, both Instagram, it is just Senior Style Guide, and the website yes. as well in the show notes, along with your website. Put all of this in the show notes at... Vicky S. Black. You can't miss it. Yep. Perfect. We'll, we'll uh, put all that in the show notes. Thank you so much for, for doing this today, Vicki. The conversation has been really practical and helpful. I appreciate you sharing with our community. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.